We are recording. Are you are you settled in? Ready to go? I'm ready. Let's do this shit. Welcome, Welcome to Realm, a podcast for Zennials. Oh my god, hi. Hi. <laughs> I just mm, I just laugh with joy when I see your face. Aw, thanks. How are you this this day? I'm good. How are you? You know, just living my corona dreams. <laughs> or nightmares. Uh, as I'm sure you know, we're, we're locked back down here in the great state of California. Though I did, um, I saw the funniest meme on the, on the Stephen Colbert show page where um, it had like a big sign that normally would look like, Welcome to California. And it said... California, at least we're not Florida. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about all we're holding on to here in Tennessee, too. <laughs> Thank God we're not Florida. Yeah, um, we, we, are not, we have not gone back to phase one yet. So we're still like in an expanded phase two. Um, they've closed down the bars and they've done mask um, mandates. So where Memphis is, we're really close to Arkansas and Mississippi. Like, yes. You can get to either one of those states in about 10 minutes from Memphis. So I remember um, the first time going to Memphis, and that was a scary thought to me. <laughs> you know, I, it's, I don't know. It, I, it is what it is, you know. Um, but I, I, know, I know how you, you faraway people feel about us southern states. So <laughs> it's, it's a scary proposition. Um, so Mississippi just put one into place. And so that, you know, all of that stuff is good, but then also people aren't listening and the cases are still spiking. So I've actually been sort of surprised by the little I've heard about Mississippi that they've taken it a little bit more seriously than I think one might have thought Mississippi would. I'm not saying that they've been great, but like, I mean, and great is subjective, but they've taken it a little bit more seriously for a conservative state, right? Than I than I expected they had would have. Yeah, yeah, but you know, then also it's it's very strange too because like they just put a mask mandate like then that happened this week, um, you know. So it it's it's people are kind of all over the place. It's very odd. Well, I think now that the, all these companies are jumping on board, I think it's going to make it easier. We just yeah. sad that that's what it takes, but right. Now that Walmart's on board, everyone in a Walmart has to wear a mask. Lord, there are going to be some parking lot fights. Oh my God, right? Um, so we're recording this on the 15th of July, uh, which is also Peacock Day. Peacock Day! Today we can all download, actually other people have been able to download it later. Wow, that's really like non-eventful now that I think about it. <laughs> This is not an exciting day at all. No, I get to download Peacock today. <laughs> wow, that sounds so inappropriate. <laughs> I think that's just you, honey. Everything sounds inappropriate to you. Oh, thank you, Katie Perry. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, Did you download the Peacock? Wow, um, um, I thought we were G-rated. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't help myself. I'm alone. I'm not alone. Um, I did download the peacock. 
Does it change if we call it Peacock TV? Oh. <laughs> it helps a little bit. <laughs> I really wish I really wish people could see your face right now because it is bright red. <laughs> Chad is having a moment, you guys. <laughs> oh, the vapors. He's verklempt. <clears throat> did you what, what did you get Peacock TV? Nope, that's not better. Okay. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow, we might have to start this segment over again. <laughs> um, yes, I just I just had a head rush and almost fainted from laughing too hard. So that's cute. Real cute, real cute. Okay, real cute. Peacock TV. Yes, I downloaded the Peacock TV today, and I almost um I had a little moment when I went to search for Will and Grace, and it wasn't there. What? I know. I know. But then somehow it showed up later on when I was like looking through comedies. But when you search Will and Grace, it does not come up. That's super weird. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just haven't fixed all the glitches yet. I know. Apparently it's just the first day for me. So it's really the first day it exists for me. I'm confused. Are you saying that it was available to other people? But I... Yes. Who? Who? There were certain platforms it's been available for for a couple weeks or a month. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the platform thing is the thing I'm having a problem with because, you know, it's NBC Universal, which is attached to Comcast, and so they have, I'm sure that that, that was the platforms and stuff. So you can't, I can't get the app on my Fire TV. What? Yeah, it it's not available on my Fire TV. So... I have to, I have it on my phone and I can stream it. I can like stream it to my TV from my phone, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to watch it like that. No. Like I'm going to do it for the, the psych movie came out today. So I'm super pumped about that. Like my brother's coming over for dinner. We're going to do a whole thing. Um, cause I adore psyched, psych, not psyched. I'm psyched for psych. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see what I did there. I know. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm not going to, like, watch. And I was really excited. So, to me, NBC streaming service, if it genuinely had all of the stuff that was NBC, which includes all of the other networks, right? Like, USA <laughs> Network was NBC, right? If it had all of those shows, like, the history of NBC shows, it, honest to God, might be one of the only streaming services I would need. Like, I don't think I'd get rid of Netflix. But all of the shows that I like love and rewatch all the time, they're all NBC Universal shows. Like West Wing. Well, you're getting you're getting into so I, I don't know if you remember this, but we would have conversations about good questions to ask on dates and Maybe this came out of an article we read when we were living together. Like, where, like, we didn't read articles when we were living together. The hell are you talking about? I don't know. There was a whole conversation about like ice cube shapes, and it was not ice cube shapes. (laughs) I mean, maybe it was. No, I mean, I had a whole theory that like the best, the best questions to ask on a first date 
are questions that help you get to know somebody but are completely innocuous. Right. And one of them was not what's your favorite movie or TV show? What movie mm -hmm. or TV show do you watch most often? Right. Which one have you seen the most? Like the, the thing that like comes on cable and you can't turn it off. Mm -hmm. Like you have to watch the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing as like the shows that that's what I mean is like the shows that I rewatch in perpetuity. So like West Wing, Parks and Rec, Burn Notice, oh. Psych. Uh -huh. Those are both USA shows. Like I'm always rewatching one of those shows. Just constantly. Like, but so when you sit down at the TV. I'm sign languaging TV right now too. Um, Just in case I wasn't familiar with the concept of TV. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, so when you sit down at your at, at the box, uh -huh. the boob tube, and um, you make it, you turn it on, and then you need to make a decision, right? Do you, do you? Is your immediate like knee jerk reaction like West Wing? Or notice, or I need to finish Schitt's Creek. Um, so I usually, it kind of depends on the mood I'm in. Okay. Um, and it also depends on whether or not I'm watching by myself or I'm watching with Steve. Let's first talk so, about what mood. Mood. Okay. Um. Yeah, so sometimes I I want to watch something or if I've started something new, right, and I really like it, then I will continue. Um, but a lot of times when I'm sitting down to watch TV, I'm not, I'm going to watch for a half hour while I'm eating lunch and then I'm going to do something else or like I'm really just going to kind of lay there for a little bit. Like I I don't have a lot of time in my day that I spend actively watching TV by myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of that time I'm going to rewatch stuff because I can't watch any of the new stuff that I'm watching with him without him. Right. Like I can't go ahead of him. And. Oh, I would find it frustrating. Oh, well, I probably, he finds it frustrating because I'm always the first person to like go to bed. So probably he's the one that has to be annoyed that he can't keep going because he stays up way later than I do. So like, he always has a couple of shows that he's watching without me mm -hmm. because I don't like to do, I don't like to do stuff that's super violent. I don't like to do stuff that's like, I'm just really over the whole, like lots of terrible people doing violent things to each other. And the male anti-hero and like, I just, I don't care about any of that shit. Like, you know, he, he watched Ozark and he watched <sighs> Succession and Billions and, you know, all of those kind of shows. And I'm just like, I don't care. Oh, like that new Charlize Theron one. I don't know what you're talking about, but probably. Well, yeah. I'm not even, yeah. okay. Um, oh. Yeah, so like, I, I mean, I don't know, like, what, how, do you, how do you know what you want to watch when you sit down and watch? Ooh, um, I think it depends, definitely mood, but also like, what, I'm, what am I possibly in the middle of and how much, like, in, how invested I am in it. Like, yeah. I watched Warrior Nun in a day, but I was also, like, hungover. It was 
not too serious. It was mm -hmm. fun. It was tongue in cheek. It was like a perfect, like, I know I'm going to be on the couch most of the day and this is going to keep me super entertained. Mm -hmm. Whereas yesterday I needed to decompress. So I actually turned on the West Wing and yeah. because it's a show I've seen millions of times. Right. Millions. Oh and yeah, ditto. Like I can watch it and enjoy it, but I don't have to fully engage anymore because I yeah. pretty much know what's happening. Though I'm still surprised by the show. There are still like, there are still moments that like, I, I like genuinely laugh at, even though I know the joke is coming. Or, oh yeah, it doesn't matter when it's really well done. Like it's still funny. I still get misty. This is so weird. This is this this is my weird crying thing. I get like, I get so misty every time I see the episode when C when CJ gets promoted at that press briefing, when she comes out for her last press briefing and she's like, "This will be my last press briefing," and then the president shows up and he says, "Effective immediately, CJ Craig is now our pre our our um." chief of staff and then all the reporters stand up and clap for her I still cry every time that's very sweet I I think that I just was so I, I still don't know that I'm like a hundred percent on board with that decision uh, writing for decision. the show mm -hmm. and so I think I don't feel that way about it I still I get, I still get misty about the stuff, oh man, like the stuff, the stuff between him and the middle daughter, the Ellie episode, yes. all you ever have to do is come home at the end of the day. Aww. Yeah, I know, right? That, by the way, is in Hamilton. And later, when we talk about Hamilton, I'm going to tell you all the West Wing references that I've found. Really? That is <laughs> Fascinating, and I am very excited about that. Um, wait, did you mention Buffy in your list of shows you watch? Well, I didn't because I was specifically talking about NBC shows. But you know, the truth is, is that I actually have only ever watched Buffy all the way through twice now. Your memory for that show then is quite remarkable. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, yeah, I, it may have, it may, it may have been three times. Cause I may have, when I first, cause I didn't find it until like 2011, I think. And I watched it. I may have watched it like twice through oh. right then. Right. Um, because I just was so instantly obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not fallen for a show that hard in a minute. Um, yeah, we're like, I mean, I was like hardcore fangirling over it. I feel like I resisted it for a long time. And then I was living with my roommate at the time. This was in the early 2000s. Um, had the box set. Oh, I remember that. He had like, he had like magnets on your fridge and stuff. And like every Entertainment Weekly. I remember looking at some of them when I came to visit you. And there was like a spike magnet. And I hadn't watched it yet. So I totally didn't get it. Um, yeah, and it's actually because of him that I watched that show and Battlestar Galactica. Was, oh, which is a really like, good show. Both shows, I was, at the time, like, fanboy, fangirl stuff was too something for me. Like, it felt yeah. too, too some, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like, 
Um, and then I started watching Buffy and I, I, I was hooked. But it's, it's funny, the, the first time through with Buffy, I liked the high school years better. Hmm. But now as I'm older, I like them less. I like the after high school better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's one of the things, I think that's a mark of a really good show, right? Is that like, you you can rewatch it and your perspective is going to evolve and the characters you identify with or the stuff you notice or the things that like resonate with you are gonna consistently change. Because like, I did not watch Buffy when it was on TV originally because if I'm being real, it's because like Sarah Michelle Gellar was like a pretty little blonde thing Mm -hmm. and I couldn't deal with pretty little blonde things. Mm. And so I was just like, oh, that's dumb, right? That like part of my self-protecting thing about not being a pretty little blonde thing was like, I'm super smart and I don't deal with dumb stuff. And so it must be dumb because it's just some little show on the WB about, right? Like I didn't watch any of that kind of stuff. The WB um, did not have a great reputation at that time. Right. Well, and like, because I was like, oh, that's all trash. I don't watch trash. I don't yeah. like, I'm so above that stuff, which wasn't really true. It just was like me trying to compensate. And so when, when I watched it later, I was like, oh God, this is really sad because actually, I mean, it's the same way, this is really funny. It was the same way I feel about cosplay. Had I known about cosplay when I was in high school, I like, would have had this whole other side of my personality and I would have had like it would have been this other group of friends I could have found and it could have been like I would have always been a nerdy girl a geeky girl really but like I was I you couldn't show that side of yourself because it wasn't cool right I'm I'm sorry homo say what cosplay Yes, I'm sorry. Are you unfamiliar with the term cosplay? No, I'm I'm familiar and like I know we 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 <laughs> thrown Chad for a loop, you guys. Twenty years of friendship and I've thrown him for a loop. Are you seriously surprised that I would enjoy cosplay? I love a costume. I know that. And I guess I just don't associate it with cosplay because I guess it's us and like you know, cosplay sometimes falls into that Ren Fair like realm of things. Sure, but like honest to God, I I could probably have a good time at a Ren Fair. I mean, was it just me, or were like I remember in college when we were in theater school, like I hated dressing up for parties. Oh my God! See, that was my favorite fucking thing. Okay. I didn't want to go to parties that weren't costume parties. I was like, "What is the point?" I'm in theater school. All parties should be costumed and themed. Truthfully, I still kind of feel that way. I I make, my, I make the people in my life put on costumes way more than they should have to for being like normal fucking adults. Seriously, I threw my mom. Like, for her 54th birthday, I made a whole, like, Studio 54 thing, and I made them all come in, like, 70s clothes. And, like, I threw my dad, like, a Frank Sinatra party, and everybody had to come in their 60s get up. Like, is it cute or is it obnoxious? It's, like, halfway in between. <laughs> Which I think is a line that I ride a lot, actually. <laughs> it's, it, it's a fine line, but it's a fun one to walk. <laughs> Yeah, but you just say that because you're 3,000 miles away and I don't make you wear costumes. <laughs> that is probably true. <laughs> um, though, yeah, uh-huh, 
True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I would bring lots of joy into your life and wigs. So we, we've sort of been talking about this, like, on the sidelines. Um, getting ready for our fourth show. Um, but, uh, like, would Buffy be, like, a cultural phenomenon? I think that's an interesting question. Um, because I think... I, I, I maybe if Buffy came out now it might be like i i don't think it was at the time because i don't think it was widespread enough right so buffy is more of a cult hit right okay there is a very dedicated population that adores it but it is a it is a it is not like the whole it's not everybody right like everybody's not aware of it and so i think when you're talking about cultural phenomenon you're talking about stuff that like outlives its own box so Mm. like a show like friends friends was just a regular sitcom (laughs) but like they set out to make a sitcom right like they wanted it to be successful they wanted it to be funny they wanted people to watch it but it became more than that it became like a cultural touch point for people they copied haircuts they copied the lingo there were there were knockoffs and i mean not official spinoffs but like there were things that you know people tried to copy it constantly um everybody was trying to make their own friends their own version of friends like it became bigger than the thing itself so sex in the city could sort of be the same considered the same like everyone was drinking Cosmos for like- Right, and like it spawned like a book that got turned into a movie, that whole he's just not into you thing that happened, which was <laughs> weird. I mean, in hindsight, a lot of the stuff about Sex in the City is really douchey and actually kind of misogynistic and dumb. Um, but I think that's very fair, that right, that like you could have asked like, my dad if he was a carrier or miranda or charlotte and he would have like laughed and answered you he wouldn't have really known what he was talking about but like everybody was picking who they were and you know like grown fucking women were wearing tutus all of a sudden (laughs) i mean not they're fun i mean okay and i mean this is coming from a person who loves a costume i'm just saying like there's a time for costumes and then there's a time for you to be wearing your grown-up clothes and one of those is when you're going to work oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) somebody's wearing tool or is a tool yeah but like i think i think stuff that's set out to be so like you couldn't call avengers a cultural phenomenon. I was thinking about that, but, um, wait. I, I, I think because they set out to do what they did, right? So, like, they set out to make 10 years worth of movies that were going to be number one at the box office and make a billion, billion, billion dollars. That's what they were intending to do. Yeah. And so it doesn't have the same kind of cultural impact. Well, like, would you call... That moment when on Dallas, when like who shot JD, like that's they are, a, but yeah, like, uh, that's a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I mean that shit was on the cover of Time Magazine. Time Magazine. 
Like that's a, that's a big deal. And everybody knew, and it was a flash in the pan. I mean, I think a lot of times cultural phenomenons are flash in the pan, right? They, they happen very quickly. That's a great point because like we sort of, I mean, I don't know. Don't we sort of make fun of that phase when everyone now got the Rachel haircut? Like, yeah, sure. Like it was a real thing then, but like, there's also some women who really couldn't pull it off. <laughs> uh, most everybody. <laughs> but like, um, rent. Rent was a cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I I saw it a couple years ago, and and. What, what struck me so hard about it was, I was fortunate enough to see it with the original cast on Broadway. And like, it, it just like blew you back into your chair. Like it was yeah. so new, it was so different, it was so groundbreaking then. And it like, sort of almost in the, like not quite like Sex in the City, but like, it feels so dated and like not current or hip or like, woke even in certain places yeah um, now it feels like disney sure. which is like yeah. <laughs> it's really funny to say that a rock opera talking about homosexuals and aids feels like a disney show but like it does yeah well i mean i think that's the thing about that's the thing about stuff that's groundbreaking at the time i mean i think a lot of times cultural phenomenons are groundbreaking at the time and then because they spawn this legion of copycats and people who write that like then that's the point you're going forward and so there will be another musical that happens 10 years from now that will be that will be like cooler than hamilton even right like that will exist because hamilton happened Right, like you're always building on what happened before. Yeah, so like it's, I think it's super rare for something, something that comes along and kind of busts through the mold like that. It, I think it's, I think it's, it is really rare for that to be able to hold up so many years later, hold up, so to say, um, because it, it is of its time. Like cats. Yeah, I mean, and Friends is that way too, right? Like Friends was groundbreaking at the moment, but that meant that it was of its time. And so you can't look at it with the 2020 lens and be happy with it because it's that's not what it was. So it sounds like you're saying that the difference between a classic and a cultural phenomena is time. Oh, that is a very interesting point. Maybe that is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? That like a cultural phenomenon is something that happens that like belongs in its time and is of its time. And then a classic is something that that continues on that like, yeah, so, that exists out of time. So is Hamilton a classic or a cultural phenomenon? I say cultural phenomena. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that is probably true. I, um, go ahead. I, I, I was watching it. I, I knew we wanted to talk about it. So I went back and watched it. I, I also got to see it live when it toured here in LA. And 
I didn't, I didn't think about this the first time I saw it when I saw it live, but what, as I was watching the Disney live stream, or not live stream, but stream, whatever, uh, like all of these, there are a lot of like parallels to Rent I kept seeing. Um, a deconstructed stage. I mean, like they used metal bars, Hamilton used wooden beams, whatever. Sure. Um, they, uh, like they had this really strong powerful opening number that sort of like rocks you in a way that how do I say this shakes your foundation so that you get out of whatever current reality you're in to help you fall more into the world of the show I mean maybe that's the point of an opening number of a musical anyway um one could argue but like very similar like all of a sudden in Rent you had but like you had this like moment and then like all of a sudden you had like these electric guitars and really loud music and and, and not so not quite the same like this is hip-hop and 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 a lot like stronger beats um and then lots of like it wasn't quite it was dancing but it was i would call it more like theatrical movement yeah than like big dance numbers Right, like it's not, it's not, it's not cats, right? Like where there's, where there's, yeah, everybody doing a, a like simultaneously choreographed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I'm, I'm not a person who's super. I don't tend to love what people would term classic musicals, right? Like, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber can suck it. <laughs> that is how I feel. Uh, I don't even like, I mean, I, I don't even really like have feels about Les Mis or like, I, I love Sondheim, mm-hmm. which is very different than your traditional musicals. Um, and, and there are, yeah. And there, there are more modern ones that, um, that I've enjoyed the music too, even if I haven't had a chance to see them. Right. Like I, Dear Evan Hansen and right. Like that hasn't gotten here yet, but um you know there um I, I just get to you sooner than the tour right now oh well yes they're true um so i you know to me it's a little it's a little bit harder to tell um because i just not am not as well versed in musicals but i think for me i am so struck by so i think hamilton is very it's incredibly well done right like it's just mm-hmm. very well written he's a great writer Yes, he is. And Manuel Miranda is a great writer. Um, and I think watching the movie on Disney Plus, the 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 movie of the show was so much fun. I mean, I saw the touring show when it came through here too. Um, and it was it was incredible. Like it really was. Like it is an experience. I mean, I had goosebumps the show for three is solid up hours. Hype. Like it's Oh yeah, absolutely. In there being like I need to like fucking lower my expectations because of everything I've heard about it. And it, I was very pleasant. It blew them all away, perhaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I first like, when I, when I first listened to the soundtrack, like, I mean, I could not stop listening to it. And I listened to it. I, I mean, I don't think I listened to anything else for a month until it was stuck in my head so bad. I like had to force myself because it was making me Looney Tunes. That's really interesting because I walked out of there 
it was one of the first shows I can remember liking, but walking out not humming something. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm. That, I'm yeah, it's been stuck in my head so bad. For seeing it a second time. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know, but like, I also feel like there were a couple of. Look, I agree with you. Lin Manuel Miranda is a fantastic lyricist, composer, writer. I think that there were scene, there were total scene stealers in the show. Oh yeah. I think Jonathan well, is a huge scene stealer. Show, actually, show stealer. But then yeah. also the guy who plays both um, Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, David Diggs. He's so good. He's so good. Ooh, yeah. He's so good. He's so good. I mean, uh, yeah, and like Leslie Odom Jr. is ridiculous, and Philip Sue is ridiculous, um, and yes, and and I mean, you know, Lin Manuel Miranda has admitted that like he, he does not have the strongest voice on Broadway. Like he knows that the only reason he got that part is because he wrote the damn thing for himself. <laughs> you know, like he knows. Um, he's admitted that, and that's you know. So I think. But at the same time, there were pieces of it that I think because it was his that like came through in a different way that I understood in a different way. And, and, you know, it's also because like, I'm, I'm not rich. So I was not sitting front row, like, or, you know, I was not close enough to see anybody's face. Like Mm -hmm. I was having the experience of Hamilton, but I was not having the like emotional it's not the same emotional interaction as it was watching the movie for me because I was able to see people's faces and I was able to see, I mean, even though I knew what was coming, like I still cried. Well, I mean, I would also argue that that's a a theater show needs to be crafted in such that the person in the background on the front row has as much of the same experience as possible, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's it's as possible though, because at the end of the day, they're not gonna have the same experience. True. Like you just can't, you know, even the best theater actor like can't, you can't see their face from the back of the theater. Like you but just you can't. also can't like, seeing it live versus seeing it on TV is like, I don't have the same like rumble in my tummy of excitement for the opening number. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a different, it's it's a very different experience to see it live. Um, and I think it's cool to be able to do, it was cool to be able to do both. Like I loved to get to see the originating cast because they are so incredibly talented. Um, and so the touring cast was incredibly good. And there were, there were a couple of people who were as good. I mean, no offense to Jonathan Groff, but the guy who played King George on the tour was every bit as good as he was. But um, the guy who played George Washington on the tour was not as good mm-hmm. as Christopher Jackson, who was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and it was a total, so that relationship in particular was a totally different level. Like it was really, um, that was, that was cool to see. Cause I just thought like, you can tell, I mean, the, I, those, those people, like they're actually friends in real life and they've had a long history of a relationship. And so I think that, that comes across too, like that plays even when you're not doing it consciously, right? I I wonder though, I, I found myself being so much interest, more interested 
in every other character but Hamilton when I was watching this most recent time. Yeah, I mean, like, what's wrong I, with that? No, there's nothing wrong with it. I just, I find it interesting that I went to a sh or I watched a show called Hamilton, yet I was more interested in King George and Burr and Lafayette and George Washington and James Madison and John Adams. Like, I was, it, that was very all fascinating to me, like how that all. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think, you know, I, I think that's, to me, that's what a good show does, right? Sure. That I, in, any any show that has a that has a leading person that like the story of them is the story of everybody around them though. Um, I mean, and I really, I, I'm really fascinated by the story of Eliza Hamilton. Like I think she's, mm -hmm. right? Like maybe it isn't just about him. It was, it was an interesting, I don't want to call it a footnote at the end, but it sort of felt like, oh, wait, one more thing. I, that's not what it felt like, but it sort of did, like. Oh, uh, you mean all this stuff that, like, she did? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I understand. Like, it's, I mean, it, it is in some ways because it's, you know, it's not her story. Right. Um, well, and actually, that sort of. Sort of how actually that I, I, we feel like about Hamilton, right? Like the way that the show treats her is sort of how history treats Hamilton. Right, I mean, and, and, and how history treated her as well too, right? Yeah. That like, yeah, it was, it, it's, a, it's a footnote. And listen, I mean, you can't, you know, there, there are people who are having their say on the internet at this time that are like, they're miffed because the history isn't completely accurate or stuff got glossed over. They're not one. Right. And it's like, okay, A, if you're pissed off that black people are playing these parts, you missed the point. Yes. So I'm not going to argue with you about that. Um, if you, I understand that like the history of it is not 100% accurate, but that's, art like it's not a documentary it's not a historical novel like it's not like if you want the 100 percent accurate by a historical novel yeah then read the book man yeah. like if you want to if you like this is not this this is not a social studies class like history is there like people are allowed to interpret what nobody yelling at Spielberg for you know tiny inconsistencies or even large inconsistencies in Schindler's List right like it's a story that tells you Hamilton is not trying to tell you only the story of this person Hamilton is also like it because it is of its time right so it is trying to tell you the story of now through that lens right it's sort of how um it's very similar to how um, Hulu show The Great um, was sort of staged. Um, I don't know if you watch that. I uh, did not, yeah. Super I, I mean, I know what it is, but. Um, uh, with Elle Fanning, and it's, it's loosely based on the story of Catherine the Great and how she came to power after like getting married for 11 days or some very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> actually they put a really funny disclaimer at the front and I'm not gonna get it right, but it's like, 
um occasionally we tell the truth or something yeah something like that like so it's more like i feel like they both might be obviously there's a satirization but like uh trying to also capture possibly a feel of how things were then like yeah like i like- love i love the the like the the, the in the room songs and mm-hmm. uh, the room where sorry the room where it happened and not giving away my shot and like it's it's and the dichotomy and how complicated it all was because like I feel like we look back in history and it's like oh yeah a bunch of guys got together in a room and they wrote a thing and now we're a thing right well and we think of them all you know like that I think what's great about Hamilton the musical is that it makes these people who were people yeah. seem like people, right? <laughs> that they're not just these icons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that they're not just these giant stone faces on Mount Rushmore or people who are on the dollar bills. Like these are actual human beings who were trying to do a thing. And human beings are are fallible. Like human beings don't always get it right. And, you know, that's, but but to make them actual people who were trying to accomplish something and to get a sense of how that came about and why that happened, I think is just interesting and it and it helps to connect you, whether or not it's a hundred percent, all I mean all of the story or not. Um. So Megan. Also, room where it happens, West Wing reference. Oh yes, please Re- uh, regale us with <laughs> West Wing references. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so there's those two, um, and then there's also, um, looking for a mind at work. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's something that Sam Seaborn says in the season where he's running for president against Rob Ritchie. He's running for his second term. Yeah. Um, oh, see, you put me on the spot. Well... Uh, there's a there's a fourth one. Give me a minute. I'll come up with it. Should should I should I play old music? <laughs> do, do, do. Oh, we're gonna have to be no, like, <laughs> you terrible human being. We apologize to anyone who might be listening who now has that stuck in their head forever. <laughs> so, Megan, what are you whelmed about? Whelmed. I. You know what I'm whelmed about this week. Trixie and Katya's Guide to Modern Womanhood. Oh my God, it's a surprise party. I know. I for, So I forgot I pre-ordered it and it just showed up yesterday and I was so excited. Um, it's hilarious because they are hilarious. Yeah. And I I was so delighted. I was, I'm just so delighted about them being successful. Like that just really makes my heart happy. I, I, I like that we live in a world where that can be true. Question for you. Drag race, classic or cultural phenomena? I, 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 that's an interesting question. I don't know. I think it's possible it's a cult hit. I'm, I'm also going to argue possible cult hit or cultural phenomena because I've been a drag con once. And I think that the thing that struck me most was how much bigger Drag Race had become than just the gay community. And the amount of, 
this was like the like the most meta thing I have experienced in my entire life. A woman, like there were there were straight women there who were dressed up as gay men dressing as women. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, this is like I don't. It, it, it was it was like it was so confused. It was I was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> but also like. I was gagged by like how much bigger it, it was than uh, than what I had thought. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean maybe you know that I mean that's part of what's interesting about the conversation, right? Is that like would my in-laws know about RuPaul's Drag Race in the middle of Arkansas? I don't think so. But you never know. My dad knows what it is. But I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'll see if I can ask him. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of cultural phenomena, I am underwhelmed this week uh, by world of dance and reality show competition formats in general. Yeah. I'm just. Tell me all about that. Mm hmm. <laughs> Well, you sound like a therapist. Um, can you go into that a little deeper, please? Um, wow, that sounded really inappropriate. Uh, um, hey, Peacock. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, no, I'm just like... Welcome to Wound, where it's always inappropriate. <laughs> um, I, I'm just so bored of the, like... They spend so much time on these. I, I, I think they call them in reality TV packages. <laughs> there we go again. <laughs> um, like those, like it's sort of like B-roll of the interviews to like get the audience involved in like the story. Right. And they have these story producers. And I would just say on like specifically World of Dance, but like what I've been watching in general, like I'm just like I'm just caring a lot less about the process between when they get the assignment and they show us the final product. We have seen umpteen hours of people like, "Oh my god, I'm running out of time. I can't do it." Like it's just it's just boring. Like we don't and and if you don't have a good story producer like on World of Dance, like they're, they're the story producer is clearly trying to get them to say certain things. Oh, I hate that. Tell that they're being fed lines and it's so not real. Yeah, it's just super trite. Well, and like I always so anytime I have ever watched shows like that, like anytime I ever do competition shows, I I end up skipping the majority of that stuff, right? Like I'm like actually I just want to see the final product. I want to see the dance, I want to see the outfit. I want to see the meal. I want to see the house, like yeah. whatever, mm -hmm. right? So I don't, I don't do that with Great British Bake Show. I don't do that with Queer Eye, right? Where like you figured out how to make the middle interesting. Right. Well, I would argue that um, on Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum's new fashion show, Making the Cut, they sort of <laughs> cut that part out. Um, uh huh. Like it was more about how they were influenced by the design. I'll tell you what I did skip on that show though, was the judging. 
Yeah. Like, actually, once I see the outfits, I'm just going to skip to the next episode because you're going to recap at the beginning who got cut out, and that's all I cared about, right? Like, I don't – that's all, like, forced drama and, like, cuts. I, I, I and, do have a newfound crush on – um. wait, is it Naomi Campbell? No. Oh, no, it's totally Naomi Campbell. Yeah, Naomi Campbell. Yes, I, I have, making the cut. I, yeah, I have a new crush on her because, like – Cause she's a bitch. She's like totally bitchy, and you love bitches. I do. You love bitches. <laughs> well, um, gosh, are we done? Are we over? Is it almost like what's happening? Oh, I guess so. What are we talking well, about next week? What are we talking about next week? Um, tacos. What? No. <laughs> But we're going to talk about something. We're going to talk about something. So you should come back and listen again. Oh, what would I do without you? You never have to worry about that. <laughs> Bye. Bye.